The Power 40 Podcast is an uplifting, faith-based podcast that speaks to all that is going on in our world in about 40 minutes or less. I'm your host, Danica Tramberg, and on the Power 40 Podcast, we'll be sharing inspirational stories about the power of the human spirit and real-life experiences from notable guests around the country on matters that touch us all. Why Power 40? Spirituality, the number 40 symbolizes a period of testing, trial, or probation. We all experience trying times in our lives, but it's often what comes from these experiences that make us who we are. As we discuss periods of guest lives where the idea of perseverance has played a major role, we learn the goodness that can emerge from determination, belief, and positivity. Each new Power 40 podcast series will feature four episodes, released once per week, covering topics and ideas related to central series themes, such as inspiration, motivation, community, impact, and the search for peace in today's society. Subscribe and listen wherever you enjoy podcasts. I'm your host, Danica Tramberg, joined by co-host Ryan Harris. And today, today we're so excited to hear um, from an American Paralympic wheelchair basketball player who is a three-time intercollegiate wheelchair basketball champion and is a 2010 world championship bronze medalist, also a three-time Paralympian, Nate Hines. Hey, hi, Danica. How are we doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. So I think we should just talk about your most recent accomplishments. You were in the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah, Tokyo Paralympics were... Um, A lot of people don't know about the Paralympics or what they are, but uh, just a little recap, the Paralympics are an athletic competition for people with disabilities, and they take place typically about a month after the Olympics do, um, in the same venues, the same village, the same city. So I was was in Tokyo from uh, August 16th to September 6th for the the Paralympic Games this year. And Nate, it was also the same COVID, right? You had those COVID protocols. What was it like going through an Olympics with COVID, man? Uh, you know, I feel really bad. Well, a lot of people ask that, and I feel I feel so bad for our, our guys on the team who it was their first experience because um, for those of us who have been there before, uh, you know, we I was in London and Rio, and it's, you know, when you have that atmosphere of the fanfare and the excitement and the spectators, it just adds that whole element. You know, as an athlete, you you live in, off that energy in the, in the arenas, so... Uh, and it, it felt so bad for the people of Japan and the country because, you know, they put so much hard work and effort into it. And then to not be able to display it um, to the full capacity that they could have was just heartbreaking. So, uh, you know, when people ask me that question, unfortunately, it's like, yeah, it was a Paralympics. It was great. It was still just as meaningful. But you could obviously tell that something was missing. And, and we didn't experience that in any greater situation than the gold medal game where we, we played Japan. So, you know, that that arena would have been just rocking, packed you know, just what every athlete dreams of and just having the fans packed and, uh, you know, it was just missing. There was definitely an element missing. Um, but, you know, I also look at it from a standpoint of I'm just happy that we were able to play because there was obviously discussions of, hey, this might get canceled. Hey, you might not, you know, you might not be able to go. And that's four years of hard work and preparation that's just gone, which, um, you know, is something that I'm accustomed to a little bit, but still it's, you know, I was just fortunate enough to be able to be there and play and represent. Yeah, that's so cool. And I mean, you, you talk about four years, you know, preparing for this journey, but you, when did you start? I know you played at Whitewater around 2006. 
And, you know, where did this journey of this basketball passion come from? Yeah, I mean, my love for basketball and, and just sports in general started immediately. I, I remember playing basketball kindergarten, first grade, the YMCA uh, leagues and rec leagues and things like that. And my, I think the thing I love most about is the competition, uh, competition junkie, just being able to compete. Um, not I think I probably am somebody who hates losing more than loves winning kind of one of those attitudes and mentalities. So I always had that, that competitive spirit. Um, and then when I was diagnosed with my cancer in 2006, um, you know, that, that was a huge part of me that, that was gone. And I didn't, I was, there was no way for me to fill that void at that time in my life. Uh, so I somehow um, was able to go to Whitewater it kind of, you know, we talk about God having a plan and, and just setting you on a path that you quite don't understand. And, um, you know, led me to Whitewater and just so happened that they had a wheelchair basketball team. Um, and then I went and asked if I could help be a manager. I was like, I'll be a water boy, a stat guy, whatever you want me to be. Just help me get out of my dorm room. Um, because I was, I could tell, I identified in myself that I wasn't leaving my room very much. I wasn't making a whole lot of friends. And I was like, man, this is, I'm not going to last long if I do this. So I actually went and sought out the basketball team and asked if I could be a manager. Um, and after some dialogue, they were like, I asked, you know, well, what if I wanted to play? And they were like, well, you have to have a disability. And I rolled up my pant leg. I got a big scar. And they were like, how tall are you? Like, that was the first question that came out of their mouth. And I'm like, well, I'm like 6'2". And they're like, hold on a second. So they got on the phone and called the head coach at the time. And they were like, you're not going to believe what just walked in your office. And uh, we talked a little bit. And they were like, come back on Monday. We'll talk and see if, you know, we have a spot for you to help us out. Um, came back on Monday and they were like, you know what, we're not going to let you be a manager or a staff boy. We're going to make you play. And, wow. and that was it. They were like, it wasn't my choice. They were like, you're playing. We want you to play. And then here we are, you know, 16, 16 years later, 15 years later. So it was, it's a pretty wild story. What did that do for you to find a new passion in a new way? What did it do for you, Nate? You know, I think, a lot of people ask of that, like wheelchair basketball, it obviously has given me the opportunity to travel the world, uh, to make friends, to win medals, but to find a sport like that, that filled that competitive void that, that left me. Um, I think for me, you know, mental health wasn't as big of a thing back in 2006. It wasn't as prominent, but I mean, just to be able to be able to sit in a wheelchair and go push and get the ball across the gym instead of taking five minutes to walk and go get it. Uh, I kind of say it almost gave me my legs back, right? Like I was able to be Nate, uh, you know, back, back to the old Nate as close as I could get. And that, that's what it gave me. It gave me my confidence back, my self-esteem back. Um, and it, it also helped me join a community, the disabled community where people have experiences either similar to mine or exactly like mine. And that's not, you know, it's not taboo to talk about, or it's not, um, it's not something that we just, you know, Oh, that's over there. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's not the focus of the room. We can sit and hang out and be friends and talk football, talk whatever. And we just, you know, yeah, some guys are in wheelchairs. Some guys have prosthetics. It doesn't really matter. Like it's not the focus in the room where it, it typically would be. Yeah. And um, can you talk to us a bit more about you were diagnosed? I think it was your junior year of high school with, uh, is it osteosarcoma? Yeah, exactly. Great job. Um, I nailed thank it. You. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Osteosarcoma. Um, yeah, so the, the story's kind of wild. I 
I played four sports. I went to a small school uh, just north of Milwaukee, Cedar Grove, Belgium. Um, so I played football, basketball, track, and then we actually had summer baseball, which was awesome. So I, I was playing something all year. Um, and uh, fall of my junior year, I was um, dove into a pile in football uh, for a fumble and came out and I had like this bump on my leg. And I was like, well, that, I don't remember that really being there. And just kind of chalked it up to like a bone bruise, some sort of a, something that swelled up will go away. Um, but it ended up not going away. Um, and we got into basketball season, went, played all through basketball season with it. And it started, that spot on my leg started to hurt when I backpedaled, started to go upstairs. And eventually it, it just got to the point where, you know, I, I was an athlete, I'm gutting it out, I want to play. And it, it was actually the week or two before our regional game that like, I just couldn't handle the pain anymore. So uh, my dad is a veterinarian actually. So uh, he actually took me to his vet clinic and put me on uh, the x-ray machine in his vet clinic and uh, we snapped a photo and there's just a, a pretty good size golf ball white mass on my leg and and from there it was doctor appointment after doctor appointment and uh, March uh, 7th we got the diagnosis of 2000, in 2005 that it was osteosarcoma so I went from playing basketball to two weeks later starting chemotherapy at Children's of Wisconsin and yeah, it was a wild ride and it, you know, but luckily everything happened and I was put in a good spot and children's did an amazing job, you know, saving my life and, and giving me a, an opportunity to, to experience the, the great things that I have in my life right now. What an incredible thing to go through at, at such a young age. And Nate, I tell people all the time, Paralympians are the best of us. I mean, you would, you would laugh or, or be disappointed in how some guys in the NFL, you know, if their shoes aren't right or if the Gatorade mixture is not correct, you know, there's a reason why somebody may not perform. But all Paralympians take something absolutely tragic and turn it into the best possible scenario. What kept you going through all that? Did you have a mantra? Did you just say, you know, I'm going to wake up today or, or what got you through? A lot of us are going through this after COVID. You kind of have experience of getting through the unseen and the unthinkable. How did you do it? Yeah, I think. The thing that helped me or the thing that I kept in perspective was I, I found a sport now or I found an activity that filled that void and I knew what it was like to have that taken away and I didn't want that to happen again. Um, so I, you know, I, as soon as I found wheelchair basketball, the great thing about Whitewater is it's a, it is kind of a hotbed for athletes to come and train that want to go represent their country on the national level. And I wanted to be those guys. I wanted to go travel the world. I wanted to go do that. And I didn't want something to, I didn't want any opportunity to ever slip through my fingers again, because I felt personally in high school, I, I didn't try very hard. I was that guy on the bench who was like, yeah, I'll play when I'm a senior. Well, senior year never came around. And I was like, oh, now, now what do I do? So, um, you know, for me, my work ethic really ramped up in, in college where I was like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to go. And and I really just kind of set my goals to that. And, you know, I, I missed out on a lot of stuff in college. I'll be honest. I wasn't at, you know, the parties and I wasn't at the stuff. And summertime, I, my uh, summer between my freshman and sophomore year of college, I went back home to work. But I had a really strict regimen of work, work out, go home, you know, eat and then go back to bed. And, and it, it paid off. And it was that hard work. And knowing I didn't want to lose a single opportunity, I didn't want to leave anything you know, I didn't want to be reflecting back and say, man, I wish I would have done this because I, I already had that regret from high school. So 
Um, and it also helps keep things in perspective too. You know, you brought up COVID and, and the way that people maybe react to this, it's, you know, trying to keep things in perspective that, you know, if this is, if, you know, wearing a mask or doing something that maybe you don't want to do is the worst thing that can happen to you right now. I mean, there's a lot of people that would appreciate that to be their worst situation. So it's, uh, that's just the perspective I keep. Um, I'm a high school athletic director now, and that's, that's the perspective I tried to tell our athletes last year when they had to play with their masks on. I'm like, you know what, you at least get to play. Uh, the same perspective I kept going to Tokyo, like at least we're playing, right? There's nothing worse than just being told no. And that's something I, I learned in high school very early. Well, you definitely have, have shown that you've kept a positive outlook on life and, and a strong head on your shoulders, no matter the adversity or challenges you have faced. Uh, is there something that you can kind of attribute that keep going mentality to? Yeah, I think, um, I think actually just, uh, my situation I had, and then also, um, my parents were very, um, very supportive and very, uh, they didn't let me use my, you know, my disability or my situation as, as an excuse to, to quit trying in school, to quit trying at other things. Um, you know, they were obviously sympathetic to the situation and, and the chemotherapies and the things that I was going through. But at the same time, uh, they held me to a standard that, you know, we're, even though that you're going through this, we're not going to let you slip in these other areas of your life. So I think just that work ethic that they, they presented to me in high school. And then when I got to Whitewater, uh, the work ethic that my teammates had, because a lot of those guys represented the USA in 2008 in Beijing, 2004 in Athens. And, um, you know, I got to watch them and how they work and operate. And, and it just kind of becomes ingrained in you once you, you know what you want to do. And, and I will fully admit, my wife will fully admit this. I'm pretty stubborn when I get, uh, <laughs> when I get, when I get set on something, it's, you know, it's, I'm pretty hard to deter off of that track. So, um, for, and that's, that's a good thing and a bad thing sometimes, but, it, uh, you know, it's just, just probably how I was brought up. And from a very young age, I, I'm, I'm a little hardheaded when it comes to, especially athletics. Again, it's that competition piece. I want to, I want to be the best and I want to, I love, I hate to lose more than I love to win. Some call it stubborn. Some call it having vision before others. You know, I always <laughs> say you can be stubborn. I, I might be stubborn, but I'm open to change. You just have to be that convincing, you know, <laughs> they, take me, take me back though, man. Uh, you know, sometimes our dreams become realized. What was that moment? How did you find out you were going to represent the United States in the Paralympics your first time? Man, 2012. Um, <laughs> You they know, said like a Western Union cable back then. I mean, 2012, <laughs> you know. No, it's you know, unfortunately, it's it's probably the, one of the worst parts of being on the team because they they bring you all into a room, and the coach just says, you know, we can only bring 12 guys, and here's the 12, and you know, the other guys got to leave the room, or the team that's picked leave the room, and a lot of those guys are your your brothers, your friends that you've been training with, and um. Yeah, 2012, I, it was at the Spire Institute in Geneva, Ohio. I remember it. Um, and just, I, I remember played really well that uh, training camp. And um, I had been on the USA team in 2009, 10, and 11. So um, I thought I put myself in a pretty good position. But, you know, you still have that little bit of doubt of, you know, who's coming up behind you. But um, just, to, just to hear your name called and be able to say that you're going and representing is, you know, it's so humbling and it's just, 
you know, I look at my journey and it's like, man, you know, cancer didn't take this away from me. Right. They might have taken my ability to run, walk, jump, but you know, cancer didn't take this from me. And, and that's something that I can be proud of. And, uh, you know, and also help spread the education piece too. It's just an awesome feeling to do these podcasts and let people know what the Paralympics are, but yeah, that first few, that first, that first team was awesome. And then also winning a bronze medal. Um, you know, the guys, a lot of my friends went in 2008, they took fourth, they didn't have a medal 2004 in Athens, they didn't medal. So it was the first medal that the U S had won since Sydney. So, um, you know, a very special moment for sure. That is so cool. And you're, are you also in the NWBA with the Milwaukee Bucks? What is that? Yeah. And how does that kind of compare to being a Paralympic athlete? What do you like better? Yeah. Uh, Paralympics for sure. Yeah. Um, the NWBA is, is the local uh, association for, for wheelchair athletes. So obviously, you know, we can't go to the YMCA and play pickup ball and find nine other people that can play wheelchair basketball with us on a mm-hmm. Wednesday night. So uh, the NWBA is the, is the association that um, I, I call it rec league ball. It's kind of what it is. It's weekend warriors. It's guys who, and gals who still want to play the sport. And, and uh, you know, so we all kind of come together in Milwaukee to practice, uh, you know, once a week. I, I haven't been there in a while because my life's gotten a little busy, but um, it's just one of those outlets for people with disabilities right, as they get older that, you know, you can still be active, you can still be competitive. Um, and it's just really, for me, it's more of a fun time to hang out with my friends. I don't take it as serious as uh, <laughs> some of my teammates probably want me to, but uh, it's, it's really, for me, a good time to just hang out with my buddies. Um, but yeah, Paralympics for sure. There's nothing that can match that, uh, nothing that can match that competitiveness and just representing your country and, and bringing 12, 12 of the best players around the country together. And I mean, just the, the fanfare and all that great stuff is, I mean, the Paralympics and representing your country, there's, there's nothing that compares to that. Nate, you're an athletic director, but also a father of three. Um, when you look at your kids experience, you know, I have three myself and Going to sporting events is wild. You know what I mean? You have parents who've never been athletic in their life screaming, right? Like a six-year-old's game. But yeah. what what do you teach your kids that is important about their sports experience? Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting perspective because obviously the other parents know me and my competitiveness and where I've been. And I don't I'm not quite sure what they think that I'm gonna be like, but for me right now, my six-year-old is starting soccer and she's she's loving it. And that's what I want her to, that's just what I want her to take is to be active and be athletic and be, you know, just be proud of her accomplishments and have fun. That's, that's the big thing is as long as she's having fun. And I know, I think my dad tried to instill that in me too. Cause after, you know, on my way to every tryout, he would say, have fun. And I'm like, yeah, this, this isn't fun. This is like, <laughs> this, this is go time. <laughs> this, yeah. This is go time, dad. Like this isn't, I'm not going out there to have fun. I'm going to, you know, take a spot on a team. And, uh, but now just looking back at it, it was like, yeah, I, you know, I should have had a little more fun with that. So that's, you know, I try not to be that helicopter dad and on the sports arena. Um, I haven't been coaching anything yet, but I think if, when I do get to coaching, I think people will probably be surprised that I'm more, I'm more about having fun and getting kids active and, uh, you know, just like wheelchair basketball helped build my self-esteem. I want my daughter to build her self-esteem on the, on the athletic field and just being proud of her accomplishments. And, um, you know, that's the thing too, with youth sports and being an athletic director, it's, you know, 
you, you see some things that you want people to improve on. Like, why are we yelling at the refs right now? You know, like mm-hmm. they don't make a lot of money and they're, we're running out of them. Like they're human. Come on, let's, let's move on. And, um, but I get it. Cause I was that kid too, in high school where I was ultra competitive and, but now, you know, again, putting things into perspective, it's like, take a step back. We're out here competing. We're out here having fun. And, and what more can you ask for? So I, it's exciting to be on the flip side, to be the parent. It, mm-hmm. it is so much fun and you know just watch her score a goal and get all excited and you just hope that she can keep that excitement for the next you know 12 years or if she wants to play longer and and it, that's the other thing too is as a parent if she doesn't want to play that'll be tough for me to that'll be tough <laughs> for pill to swallow but you know just supporting her if she wants to do art music dance band you know obviously I prefer the sport arena but um, you know when you have a kid you just love them and love whatever they do and it's, that's the way it is. That's so sweet. I, I'm sure they're going to be tremendous athletes and they have a great role model like you to look up to. Yeah. And my wife would be mad if I didn't give her some credit. She's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good she's, job. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, she's she a good softball player. She's a good athlete. So that's awesome. they do have two athletic parents, but you never know. She's, you know, they're both logo explorer and Luca's only seven months old so but Aww. I'm working working on him with the left hand a little bit already <laughs> <laughs> so sweet um Nate as we close out today and just reflect on the power 40 in our lives and maybe the trials we're going through or or have overcome and we understand that in life we'll really just continue to experience good and bad that life throws our way but 40 also seems to be significant in regards to time as Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by the devil, the great flood lasted 40 days and 40 nights, the Jewish people wandered the desert for 40 years. So I would have to ask if you, Nate, had just 40 minutes to impact the world, where would you start and what would you say? Man, do I have the whole world's attention? Is that all, right? all of the attention, just for 40 minutes though. Boy, where do you start? Um, <laughs> There's just so much, you know, so much need for love and acceptance. Um, you know, there's, especially now you see so many people reacting to a pandemic in different ways and it just feels like everybody's on edge with one another. And it's like, Hey, just, just remember to love your brother and your neighbor as yourself. And it's, you know, it's an interesting situation to be in right now. And it's, um, also to love each other and to appreciate what we have and how blessed we are to be here and every day is a gift and, and to make the most of it and focus on the positives. Um, but definitely 40 minutes wouldn't be enough of that. I can tell you that, but, um, you know, if, if I had 40 minutes to change the world and make an impact, it, it, you know, it, it would have to be, you know, preaching to love one another and, and accept one another for our differences. And for me, uh, you got a lot of athletes listening, a lot of young people listening, a lot of all people listening. What does it take to win, Nate? You know, I, uh, I downplayed the mental skills for many years. Um, but until we got a sports psychologist with the USA team in, in 2013, um, it was at that point, I think, where it kind of clicked for me that it sounds funny, but you need to learn how to win right? Um, You know, when adversity hits in a game, what are you going to do? Are you going to shut down or show up? Mm -hmm. What, you know, what, how are you going to snap back into that, into that moment? And 
you know, that's one thing that I'm really excited to get to work at here at Port High School with our with our athletes to somehow get them engaged in mental training and mental skills. How how can you switch that adversity and look at each other and be like, I got your back. Here we go. This is what we need to do to know. You know, we say go green. We're going to go green. Forget about the stuff that just happened. And um, I think the mental skills are so huge. And not only does that help in sports, but then it translates over to everyday life. You know, the adversity that you have in your in your life, in your academics. So I think I think the mental I don't want to say mental toughness, but just the mental skills to be able to approach a situation that maybe isn't going well and and how do we relax react to that properly how do we react to that and take an assessment and then know what to do with the situation that's going on yeah I, I think sports are just they teach you so many things on and off the court or field or whatever you're playing on yeah I mean that's why I love the sports arena so much I think there's so many I don't like calling them extracurriculars or co-curriculars, right? We learn yeah. so much. We learn so much on the field of player on the court, whether it's teamwork. I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna get along with every teammate you have, but shockingly, you're not gonna get along with every coworker you have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the adversity one is so big for me. I feel like once we adversity hits, and maybe you know we go down by two touchdowns, or we're down by twelve points in a basketball game, like we just shut down like no like Mm -hmm. how do we go green and put those steps together to to overcome this adversity and to attack it and overcome it together and that's that's something I'm excited to work on here at school because I think you know especially at this age it's so important to learn that and it's a skill that's not developed because we're so worried about uh you know dribbling passing shooting you know get this play right get that play right you know there's so much and only so much time so much to do in so little time it's like well let's take a step back and work on the mental thing like if this happens what are we going to do take a breath calm down um so that's a big one for me what takes the win it it, it is that mental skills i don't want to say mental toughness but mental skills yeah and i I mean hey i had a mental performance coach all 10 years in the nfl we actually had two the year we won the super bowl for the broncos and even as a veteran you know you can get distracted with things that don't matter what's an external validation versus an internal one your kids are lucky to have you to help them frame their success and frame their action after failure. So congratulations and, and congrats to those kids. Yeah. Thank you, man. And like you just perfect example of Super Bowl, Paralympics, there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, outside of your bubble. Like what can you contain? You can't help the bus shows up late for your trip to the arena. Now your warm up time is different and this is different. You know, you're an athlete, your routines are so important to you. You know, and that's those are the skills here that I'm excited to work on with these kids. Well, I'm so excited just to see what you do, where you're at now and all that you've overcome in your life. And you're just a really great example, I think, for so many adults and those younger than you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, no worries. This was great. I appreciate it. And uh, just thanks to all your listeners for listening and, and watching. And, um, you know, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram. They can find you guys, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, just a great time. And this is an awesome discussion. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you, Ryan, as well. Absolutely. And for more information on the Power 40 podcast, visit powerofhumans.com. Also stream the podcast on your preferred streaming service. <laughs>